0: Welcome back to Contractor Evolution. Benji and Igor here at the studio. So you've heard the expression, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? And while I apologize for the super graphic imagery right off the hop, the idea is, you know, there's more than one way to do one thing. And the same absolutely holds true for scaling your business. While the growth path for most trades and construction companies it tends to follow a similar pattern. There are some entrepreneurs who truly see scaling as one problem with many, many possible solutions. And our friend Eric Barstow of Foothills Painting and National Painting Group is one of these entrepreneurs. Now, some of you may already know him from his huge online painting community called Painting Business Pro, uh, or his massive YouTube following of the same name. Eric has followed the path less traveled by using an innovative partnership model that takes the intense pressure to grow a feeling that a lot of you are familiar with already. And he's shared this load with super capable partners. Now, I will let him break down his actual model for you because he'll do a way better job than I can explaining it. But for you, the listener, what we really hope you take away from this episode is that while Eric's model is atypical, it works. This guy has done it in a different way. So what could different look like for you? So I hope that Eric's story puts the expansion of your own
1: business in a bit of a new light for you, right? What got you here isn't necessarily always going to get you where you need to go and it often rarely does. Um, but being exposed to this completely different approach to business growth, I think could really help you creatively problem solve your own next few moves in your pursuit of excellence. So, um, What's neat here, Eric's accomplished a tremendous amount as a young guy, right? His business is now doing a really profitable 11 million bucks a year in revenue, which is a lot in painting, and headed for massive growth in the coming years. But uh, his path to get to here, where he is now has been full of huge challenges and massive setbacks, which he openly shares with us in today's episode. Now, I've personally known Eric uh, for many years, and one of the things that I really love and appreciate about him is his ability to absorb failures and to learn from them in a super powerful way. Now, in today's show, we dive into these many significant challenges that he's run into and his greatest lessons coming out of them. So let's get into it with Eric Barstow, uh, his unique expansion model, and also the three biggest lessons that he's learned along the way. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level.
0: If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new
1: breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting.
0: Hey, Eric, my man, welcome to the show. We're really excited to have you.
2: I'm excited to chat with you guys.
0: Yeah, Eric, really good to see you. It's fantastic. Yeah. So you've got a really cool story and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing about it all. Um, let's kind of start with the early days of, of Foothills um, and your story. Like, how did this whole journey begin for you?
2: Yeah, so it started for me in college. So I worked at College Works Painting. It's one of those college, you know, painting companies. And so I, I worked there for six years. So for five years, I was coaching and training college kids to you know, start and run a painting business. And yeah. so when I got out of school, I'd done economics and business. I did not want to be in the painting industry, but I also didn't want to get a real job. So I started Foothills Painting because I knew I could make, you know, 50 or 60 grand, super, super easy without mm-hmm. putting much time into it. So I could figure out what else I was going to do, start other companies and, and all that good stuff. So that's that's what I did. Um, so I started Foothills and, and then basically did as little as I could on it. Um, a couple guys that worked with me in college, you know, hit me up and, and, you know, said, Hey, can I have a job? And I'm like, sure you can do sales. And someone else hit me up and said, can I have a job? I said, sure, you can, you can manage the production. And, you know, for two or three years, like that's literally how that business grew. Um, huh. And I was spending most of my time chasing, you know, a bunch of other business ideas. So I started a. Uh, you know, I started a clothing company and you know, we made all those clothes. And, and then the second we printed them all, we went and like did our first event to sell shirts. And I'm like, wait, this is this is what building a clothing company is? Like selling $20 shirts one by one? And literally scrapped it right there. Like the first event and just, have, I still have like boxes of, of clothing <laughs> from that, from a decade ago. And then uh, I started consulting business. I was consulting service companies, some people I knew and, and just didn't really like it the way I thought I would. I did a network marketing business, and was doing really well. And then really quickly after a few months, in, I'm like, I don't want to, I just don't want to do this business. I don't like that. Every single person I meet, I got to talk to about this opportunity. So I quit doing that. I lost a bunch of money in a Ponzi scheme. It seemed legit. I put a bunch of money into it. The next day, the SEC seized it. Um, it took me two years to get my money back. That was kind of crazy. Um, and then I started a couple online businesses that, you know, didn't go anywhere. And all the while, so I was over a few years, and I was doing a ton of you know personal training and development stuff too, um, with a company where I was leading introductory seminars and stuff like that. So it was a really busy few years. And Foothills Painting was over here as like I'm just trying thing after thing and chasing you know all these things that I think are sexy. You know, right. I, I, it's like Silicon Valley and Shark Tank, and there's all these you know the cultures like all these people hitting home runs like just crushing it overnight and you got swept up in that you everyone's
1: crushing it all around you aren't they all the time
0: (laughs) isn't
2: that how it works
0: (laughs) but you got you you got kind of swept up in that whole movement or that scene or or like you said it was it was sexy so you're like oh i gotta i gotta try all these new cool things
2: we've all yeah look at we've totally man and you know my painting company went from like 150 K and made 50 grand to 400 K. And I made 70 grand to 650,000. I made a hundred grand. And that, that year, that 650 and, you know, made a little over hundred K. I was literally working like five to 10 hours a week. Um, you know, I was golfing. I remember a week in August, I golfed 13 days out of 14. Um, you know, like that was, you know, it, it was just like, and I remember driving. I remember even the road I was on when I was like, what am I doing? Like This painting company just keeps growing and growing. I'm not even putting anything into it. Like if I had put 10 more hours a week into this, I probably could have doubled it. Um, This industry is absolutely gigantic. No one is trying to get into the painting industry. It's so not sexy. Um, I'm good at it. I already have a team. Like maybe this is like my home run. And that was 2013 where I'm like, all right, like I'm going all in on painting. It's
0: so interesting. I think I think your point about um, y- you know like embracing the unsexiness of it is a really important point because I like we've talked about this on other episodes and, and we talk about it offline too. Igor tons. It's like you know, this tendency to bounce around from thing to thing. And there's, there's a new and exciting fad. There's a new and exciting cryptocurrency. There's a new and exciting business model. Um, if you don't stick with something for a while, no matter how cool or how, you know, promising this new concept is, it's, it's going to inevitably be a bit of a carousel you're on.
1: Yeah, totally. The, the thing that I think about on this on this topic quite a bit is just how new of a concept this is, right? So when you think of in the grand scheme of humanity, people focused on one thing for their life, mm. like, all, like forever. Master right? your craft. Yeah, yeah, totally. You were yeah. a blacksmith, you were a farmer, whatever, right? And it's only in the last like 30, 40 years, maybe, that these distractions have popped up everywhere. And I think over the last decade specifically, it's yeah. gotten even worse exponentially because of the rise of social media and these influencers everywhere. And you're constantly surrounded by marketing and it truly is marketing. It's intentionally trying to grab your attention into a million different, different directions, right? And this old school ability to just stay focused on something true has kind of gotten lost, right? And I'll give you a practical example, right? Prior to Breakthrough Academy, I spent years building Shack Shine, which has now turned into a, a huge window and gutter cleaning company franchise all over Canada and the United States. But I remember a lot of people talking to me and be like, man, you've built such a successful company prior to that. You're going to go and like literally clean windows and gutters. And that, that's what it took in the early days as well to try to figure out how to systemize yeah. this thing. But it was it's so unsexy, so unappealing. its It takes so much yeah. grunt work to figure it out in the early days. But it, to your point, Eric, those are the kind of things that are actually super lucrative precisely because it isn't sexy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so, there's not not sorry, people ahead, like clamoring to get into the painting industry. Everybody's clamoring to get totally. into tech. And yeah, look, anyway. there's tech companies that like were home runs in 4 or 5 years and they already don't exist. Totally. I mean, in our in our industry and in construction and contracting home improvement, it's not going anywhere, you know, which no. is super appealing too.
0: Yeah. So, you have you you know, you have this um, epiphany, we'll call it on the road one day. What did you, like, what did you actually do from there? I'm assuming you invested more heavily in, in your painting company.
2: Well, I quit doing other things was the mm-hmm. first thing. Uh, but I wasn't done making a lot of mistakes. Uh, still not, but yeah. So I had already been grooming Ben, my partner, you know, and kind of setting him up to take over some kind of ownership role in foothills painting. Um, because I, at the time I was like, I'm trying to get out of painting. I need some exit plan here. And you know, I'm like, hey, that, that was maybe gonna be it. So around this time is when he had kind of proved himself and earned his, his stripes. And I didn't feel like I could not promote him into you know a, p- a partner role with me, so. And sorry, um, now, just to
1: clarify, what did that mean for you when you said like he had earned his stripes um, and, and it made sense to kind of bring him in as a partner? What, what does that mean in the context of your painting business?
2: I think the, the, the shared expectations we had with each other of what he needed to develop himself in, the kind of performer he needed to be. Um, back then is that those expectations are very different than ones I would have now. But back then it was, hey man, I think you're, you, you've done it. Like you're ready to get this partnership role. And so the deal was this. We said, I said, hey man, I'm gonna give you 50% of the company. The deal is you run it. And that was our agreement. And he uh, he took the company the next year to one point one million. Um, wow. and in one year, that kind of growth. Went from six fifty to one point one. And I went from, you know, whatever my ten or fifteen hours a week to like two supporting him. And so I was in this place of like, okay, well now what am I gonna do? Um, and I'm like, Well that that seems like a pretty good deal for me and Ben. You know, it was a huge win for him. You know, he's, he's fresh out of college, 23 years old and owns half of a million dollar company and he's making six figures. Like that was a great deal for him. And for me, it was a great deal, you know? So it was just such a win-win and, uh, you know, so we're like, okay, well, maybe we'll start more franchises and locations. At the time I was also teaching people online how to start and build a painting company. Mm -hmm. So I decided I'd put up a a thing on my website that said, Hey, if you want to work with me, you know, apply here. And I started getting applications and you know, the more people I started talking to, um, that was kind of like, hey, should we start a franchise? And and that's what kind of went down that whole road of like, hey, let maybe we start opening more locations. How did that go? You know, we started with franchise because that would seem to be the obvious thing. You know, was, oh, well, it's time to franchise. You know, that's what everybody does. Like, yeah. I guess I got this location. I guess I'll open a bunch more locations. And there was just like, all these conversations I was having with people, I just didn't, I didn't like, I didn't like it. Something just, for me, didn't feel right about it. And I think there's a couple things I, I didn't like. So the first is it felt really transactional, you know, like we're gonna, this is your fee. And this is what I'm gonna, you're gonna pay us every year. And this is what we're gonna do for you. And it just felt like, uh-huh. I think that's important expectations, but it felt transactional. And I like, I love people. I love partnerships. I love entrepreneurship. And I want to be like in it with people. I wanted more bins so that were like my partners, like we're in it together. And, uh, oops. And so that was, the first thing. And then the other thing is I'm like just so passionate about entrepreneurship and, you know, I always have been for the opportunity of, of entrepreneurship. And for me, that's, that's building a business that can provide you a lifestyle and you can create freedom and you have this huge up unlimited upside. Like I love that aspect of entrepreneurship. And I felt like building a franchise, um, limited that for people, you know, and, um, if, if I was going to start a franchise, I kind of have to, you know, let's take the Denver market. I've got, I can't give that whole Denver market to one person because they own that market now. And if they don't turn out to be a really high performer, like as the franchisor, I've lost a lot of yeah. opportunity there. So I'm forced to kind of carve that market up into a lot of smaller territories. And, you know, in the service industry, one of the easiest ways to grow a business is to grow it geographically. And I think limiting that really limits upside. And so when I looked around at a lot of the other franchise, you know, painting franchises out there, you know, the the most of them end up being forced kind of to be owner operators. You know, when you take the, right. the limited territory size, how big can a company really get in that limited territory? And then what's the profit margin? Once you've actually hired a whole team, you know, 20% net is pretty healthy profit margin once you've got a team running everything. But then you take a, a royalty off of that and you're doing 1.5 million with some of one of the best painting franchises are doing, you know, and after your royalty, you're making a hundred to 150 K, maybe 200 yeah. grand. And I'm like, that's what the best ones are doing. I, I just felt like it wasn't what I wanted to create, you know, and I, I love, I think it kind of took away the magic of entrepreneurship for me. So I wanted to partner with people who, where we could give them that like huge upside. So we we decided to do a partnership model where, you know, kind of like I based it off of my partnership with Ben, where it's like, hey, we're going to be fifty-fifty, and we're going to support and coach you, and you're going to run day to day. And
0: did, so, did you launch that that um, partnership, that sort of agreement, that setup with a
2: bunch of new locations over the years, like, or did
0: it just stay with Ben?
2: Uh, yeah, it started with one person. This guy, and he's still a partner today. His name's Mike. He's in Michigan, and. Okay. It was like, he was like kind of our guinea pig to try this out. So we said, all right, let's, we'll, we'll do this with you, Mike. Um, Let's give it a shot. And Ben flew up there, spent a week with them, launched the company, hired people to knock doors, hired painters, sold first couple jobs, painted the first house and was like, there you go. And flew home. (laughs) And uh, we're like, and then that was in like August, September. And in Michigan, that's, that's when the season starts to slow down for painting, especially exterior, which is what we're focused on then. And Mike ended up quitting his full-time job within like four weeks. And he ended up making more money in the fall than he did at his job. And we were like, hey, that was, we had a lot stacked against us. It was our first try. We'll call that a win. Let's do some more. So then in 2015, we launched four. Um, One, uh, someone bought us out right away. We built a company to 15K a week in sales within like four weeks. And he executed a forced buy-sell. So he got like the best deal in the world. We basically, he, he basically didn't pay us anything for just, six weeks of launching his company for him. Right. Um, we had zero leverage to, there was nothing there. He was the owner, he was the operator. So without him, there was nothing for us. Um, we, we, another partnership didn't work out, but two of them in 2015 were really successful. One's mm-hmm. still a partner to this day. She was a former employee at Foothills Painting. And that was one of the other reasons we wanted to create this was I wanted to make sure that my top most ambitious, most motivated, highest performing people who I loved and cared about had opportunities to continue to grow. That was ultimately why I, lost, I left the college painting companies. I no longer had, longer had opportunity to grow. I liked who I worked with and I was a top performer. They'd invested a ton, but I'm a motivated, ambitious guy. Like I need more opportunity. I want to make sure I always provided that for my people. And that's what's driven a lot of the thinking behind how we're mm. building our company now is always providing opportunity for growth.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting just to, to even capture this point. Very, very few entrepreneurs in our space think this way when it comes to expansion. Hey, like how yeah. often do, do we hear this, right? As a, as a company is growing, so he's got Foothills doing a million and a bit in revenue and right away the model's like, how do we expand? And, and the geography is not really the central point. I think the central point is like, how do we empower people where mm-hmm. we give them some sort of stake in the game and let them go replicate and create their own reality and go create their own domain that, that they're in charge of and, and we'll have a piece of it for the long haul.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah. it's true. I mean, the, 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 the path to success or growth within trades and construction is a path well-worn. It's generally, mm-hmm. you know, you're talented, you're passionate, you start your own business, you get busy, you hire some people, you get busier, you hire yeah. some more people. It's a very like manual growth Trajectory. It's a lot of work. It's but you keep the pressure on you. But you keep the pressure. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's what I mean. It's you driving it. Totally. You carrying the weight all the time. You know, some people get creative with some subcontractor models. That takes a little bit of weight off of them, and they can expand more quickly. Uh, some people get you know lucky in a market, or they get a few good hires early on, and that makes it easier for them. Yeah. But very rarely do I do I do we see people. Um, doing something totally different, which is just rewriting the script on growth altogether. Yep. I'm going to do this through other people, creative agreements, um, which I think is is why this is such a cool story and, and something I want listeners to really take away from this. So you, you, do, 20, you do four partners in 2015. Um, yeah. Some are good, some are not so good. This is under the same model you did before where it's like we own half, we'll support you in
2: these ways. Yep. Um, from there, wh- where did you go? And in 2016, we started nine Um, So I spent like November, December recruiting and doing tons and tons of calls. And we flew these eight, it was actually eight and then a ninth started in August, but we flew eight people out to Colorado and kicked off a training. And then in January, February, March and April, Ben was in Colorado for a week running Foothills and then on the road for a week launching a company and then home for a week and then on the road for a week and on for a week and on the road for a week. And then um, by August, they were all closed. Um, Wow. we, We started eight, closed eight in six months. Um, four of them were sold, four of them were just shut down. Um, we were burned out and exhausted. Um, and it was, it was a brutal year, man. We, uh, you know, Ben of course was burned out. I mean, that's a lot of traveling and like hustle and like making crazy stuff happen in a week with people. And I was just like, I was, I I was so over, uh, just, so overrun with all the meetings and all the support and everything we had going on. I mean, we were, it was just craziness. And we also, so some of the huge mistakes we made was we brought on just people we should never partner with. It's a, it's embarrassing to say like the people that I partnered with and like how, how was I so stupid? <laughs> but, like, oh, <laughs> We were really, ar- we were super arrogant and you know, it was kind of like, Hey, if you really want this, we'll make you successful. Yeah. And uh, that's not, you know, when when you say, hey, sign up, there's no startup cost to you, we're gonna kick your business off, teach you, coach you, and here's you're gonna have this company and you're gonna make all this money, everyone's like, yeah, that sounds, why wouldn't I? Right. So everyone wanted that. And so we partnered with people who we didn't screen, you know, one, one business, uh, Ben launched, flew out to Chicago and got there and was like, the guy didn't have a car. <laughs> like he literally didn't have a car. So we're like, oh, cool, well, it's okay, you're a partner, we'll buy you a car. <laughs> And then I paid that car off uh, two years later um, when he wasn't returning our calls and I was tied to it. (laughs) So like, that was like, and that was a really extreme example, but literally there wasn't, I don't think any, anyone I should have partnered with that year. So that was a huge mistake. The other huge one was we were just like way too early. I mean, we got so focused with like dollar signs and opportunities. We're like, oh, we did a couple. Now let's just go do tons of them. Yeah. And... Like, let's go build a hundred of these. We, you know, build a hundred of these million dollar companies and we'll have a hundred million dollar company. We got really lured by this like idea of money and success and, and growth and scale. And it was just way not appropriate to be growing and scaling at that point. I mean, what we were growing and scaling was a business that, you know, Foothills was doing well, but it's like nothing really exceptional that we were doing yet. Like we really had no business... Um, growing and scaling it. So
0: like, I'm, I'm curious, let me ask you something. And that's at that stage, you you open nine, you close eight, like it's, it doesn't sound like a, gr- a great year of fun experience. Do you remember your headspace at that time? Like, were you sort of blindly powering forward going, this is all good, we're fine, we're going to figure this out? Or like, was there some voice in your head going, uh, there, there's something wrong here?
2: I don't think either. I can't remember. Um, I know it was exhausting. I know, but I was like, I mean, I was just grinding it out, Yeah. you know? I mean, I was really committed. To, I, I'm a such an optimist, you know? Right. I mean, that's part of my, you know, why I got my ass kicked. Um, but I was like, hey, it, you're, you're going to make it. You're going to make You know, I know that like, hey, if you start a business and you really stick with it and you just keep learning and you keep learning, like you don't start a business for what you're going to do in the first four weeks. You don't start it for what you're going to do in the first year. You don't like the whole thing is like, what are you building down the road? And so I, I personally, I'm like, you guys are going to be good. Stick with this. And I, and then they start dropping. And then I'm like, dude, this isn't working. And then it's like, start facing. And then it just got to a point where like, just close them all.
0: We're done. Um,
2: You know? And it was a relief. The one we started in August was with an, an existing foothills employee and his name's Hunter. And he's still with us and he's kicking ass kicking ass right now. He's Mm -hmm. doing really, really well. Mm -hmm. Um, but the eight, we didn't know. We just closed them all. So it was like, man, that happened so fast. Like I didn't even have time to think. I didn't think I had time to think, you know, like mind space. I was just going, 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 going.
1: Right. I've known Eric for a long time. And one of the things that Eric, that, that, that I really appreciate about you, especially in, in this kind of context, when it comes to like stories and lessons, like Eric, moves really fast and fails really fast. And hence why it makes for such a good story. But um, you, you certainly learn a lot very quickly. Just quick question out of curiosity, these uh, external partners that you found that year or so outside of Hunter, mm-hmm. where do they come from? How did you recruit so many so quickly?
2: Just through, through Painting Business Pro, I literally like sent emails and I was like, right. "Hey, you wanna you wanna partner with me? Hey, you wanna partner with me? Apply here, apply here." And I got you know however many applications, and then we ran them through several calls. And but there was no like, <laughs> it was like, ra- raise your hand, you're in. you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in. I like you. You're a fun guy. You know, like I love people. Like I'm gonna like everybody. So that was the qualification was if you wanna do it, and I like you, and you say all you have to say is I'm committed. Yeah. And anyone can say that. Uh, and so that's how just naive we were and how arrogant we were. And, uh, you know, it was, it was awesome because that year we learned what we needed to learn to build this right, which is what we're doing now. But we also needed two years to recover. I mean, the next two years in 2017, 18, we, we didn't do anything. I mean, we're like, look, that was brutal. We lost 75K in half a year on all these companies that didn't pan out could have been worse yeah. um and these other f- you know five companies were running are doing really well and growing and making all their money like let's just invest in the partners we have and that's all we did for 2 years we had i mean we literally had to recover yeah and uh and then end of 2018 we started to say okay now w- let's start building something again
0: Yeah, I wanted to get into that. Like, what what have you been up to since? What does what does the the new model look like? I know you've got a whole bunch of stuff cooking, some really cool Mm -hmm. cool plans coming down the pipe. Um, You know, after that sort of recovery period, Mm -hmm. um, when you licked your wounds and sort of reset, what have you been building since?
1: And which, by the way, is worth noting. Like, a two year recovery period is pretty serious, right? Like, you cause a huge amount of damage in six months. It takes two years to recover from that. Right. So I'm definitely curious kind of what happens thereafter and tell a bit of that story. But I think that's also worth really highlighting for, for listeners is like when you do make serious mistakes like this, cause you try to go so fast, so mm. early, the recovery is pretty real.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to swing for the fences again. You know, we didn't want to bounce back the next year and be like, let's go again. I mean, the last time we did that, it was exhausting. And so it was a little bit like, let's enjoy our life. You know, we'll build our business. We'll support our partner. I mean, it was just slow. You know, it wasn't like I was like recovering, like laying in bed, you know, sad or something. You know, I was happy. You were
1: back to focus on Foothill. Well, you're always
2: happy. Yeah, just, just, (laughs) yeah, focus on that. And and going back to like, you know, I remember a a trip I had in the mountains, you know, I was supposed to be on a ski trip and I was working all day, every day. I'm like, I'm not even enjoying my life with this many partners, this much growth. So we kind of went back to the other side of like, let's remember we're doing this for our life and let's have a life. And that uh, uh, was kind of what the next couple years were. And then what was your, what was your question, Benji? Oh, what, I just, where do we move from? yeah.
0: Like, like a- after this, after this sort of rest period, um, once you've, once you'd licked your wounds, like what, yeah. what have you been building since? I know you have a new model that's yep. sort of like, yep. you're going to unhatch here pretty quick. And it's, it's very cool to sort of hear the redesign. So I wonder if you could just take us yeah. through that.
2: It, one of the, things that i thought was a huge flaw in thinking was you know oh we've got a million dollar model let's let's scale it Mm. and i'm like oh that's there's a lot of problems with that number one like there's so much more room to make something better before you scale it like let's just make something so it's like hey instead of scaling a million dollar business to 100 locations why don't we scale a 10 million dollar business to 10 locations Mm -hmm. you know same outcome but it's it's all cleaner you know the employees love where they work they make great money the systems are dialed the customers have a great experience but more than that our offer to a potential partner is so much better now you know i can because we actually have we're we're a year from saying hey this is the 10 million dollar model foothills can do that right now we're just focused on improving more systems still before we focus on just adding more bodies and you know growth but I can say to a partner, our offer now is hey, you know, you partner with us, and in five to seven years, we're going to grow a $10 million painting company together. We're going to be, our agreement is, it ends up being 60 40 or 50 50 with, you know, we would own the 60, and it depends on, you know, what year. Um, but in their ownership vests, you know, so we, we can get into those those agreement specifics if you want in a sec. But the fundamentals is, you know, we're gonna we want to partner with people who are highly talented individuals who are in leadership roles already. They're really successful already, but the path they're on is like another fifteen years of corporate, you know, corporate work where they're working fifty or sixty hours a week and for limited growth in terms of income, and I, they want that entrepreneurial opportunity. And so we say, hey, well, you partner with us. We've got all these systems to do that. So we want to grow this company effectively. And, and at the end, we're 50-50, where you've earned yourself a, built yourself a really nice income. And we're building into it an exit strategy for people. Right. So, you know, service companies, at least in the painting industry, they don't sell very well. There no. are ways to get them to sell well, but it's very difficult. And even then, you're better off probably cash flowing it than selling it. Because if you sell for uh, um, some multiple, you've got this big chunk of money. And what do you do with that money? Well, you put it somewhere that is going to make you money, which is another way of saying, bring me cash flow. So how about I just skip that whole thing? And how do I take this cash, fl- this company and remove myself and keep the cash coming in? Totally. And so You know, our offer is, you know, when you get to 10 million, we're gonna help you either put a general manager in place and plug them into our system and you support them, but you're down to very little work or put a couple leadership people in place or give some equity to someone and you remove yourself entirely, or let's continue to grow together. So we're really building that infrastructure centrally to allow someone to not just come in and build a company, but also to be able to exit and, you know, create some economic independence and freedom for themselves with just enormous upside too. Um, So so that's fundamentally the the new offer and and what we wanna build is less really great companies. And honestly, it probably won't be less because more people are gonna want this offer than, hey, build a million dollar company and make a hundred grand a year.
0: You're, you're going deep with a few companies rather than wide with a whole bunch of companies. And I think that makes intuitive sense on a lot of yeah. levels.
1: Yeah. And how many partners give us a bit of the lay of the land right now. So you've got, you've got yeah. Foothills Painting in Colorado. How uh-huh. many partnerships do you have and where are they?
2: Yeah. So Foothills Painting's in Colorado, Imperial Painters is in Colorado and Elkhorn Painting is in Colorado. Huh. Michigan, uh, we have a company in Michigan, Southeast Michigan with Mike, our, our OG guy and he he moved to North Carolina and then moved back and restarted his company and then we just started one in Ohio this year
0: cool we don't need to get super stuck in the weeds here but can you just take us really quickly through like how the actual agreement has changed what what do these what do these partners yep. not franchisees what do these partners get for that 50-50 agreement
2: the way we're structuring this is that our intention is to grow this company really quickly, you know, and Hunter, I mentioned, he started, he was the August, the one survivor of the nine. Yeah. Um, so this is his fifth year. He'll do it by 3 million. And he's on, he's on track with the right team and the infrastructure in place to get to 10 million in seven years. So that's, that is the the game plan. And the best way that we can help someone do that is to take as many of, as much of the burden of running a business off them as possible. And so we have two main things that we're providing to our partners and the first is, is just shared services. So there's a number of things that any really successful painting company is gonna have. You're gonna have a CPA, CFO, you're gonna have software, you're gonna have HR, you're gonna have a learning management system, you're gonna have systems and SOPs, um, you're gonna have a website developer, you're gonna have a marketing director. So we're doing all of those at National Painting Group. I'm building that whole team and, sp- and they're supporting a number of companies. What's really powerful about this is Foothills Painting right now maybe could justify someone for like $80,000 a year, but they don't. it wouldn't even be a full-time job for the numbers we need to hit at Foothills. But I was able to hire two people that I can pay $125,000 a year with bonuses because they're supporting five companies. Yeah. So I'm able to hire like really incredibly talented people because they've got leverage across all these companies. Uh-huh. And so that's that's the first thing we're we're bringing and offering to our partners, and then the second is so the, and those shared services are paid for by the companies. Just because you know you'd pay for SEO if it was done anyway, you'd yeah. pay for a marketing director anyway. The other thing that we we provide, which is not paid for by companies, is just like this is one of our costs of what we're we're building is coaching. So we're going to have a number of coaches and consultants. So we already have a couple people that are like contracting from our existing companies that support, you know, production managers and sales reps and office managers. Um, and then I'll bring on some other additional coaches. Uh, and then innovation and system development. It's, as you guys know, really time consuming to build systems. And they're yeah. never done. And they can always be better. And, they're, and as a company grows, there's more systems to build. And that's really time consuming. We're going to do that centrally and then we're also building new opportunities. You know, we're, we're building out the commercial painting model. We're probably gonna get into some other trades. We wanna make sure that we continue to provide opportunities to our partners, the employees at all of our companies will be we'll be doing that work over here as well. Um, so that's what we're doing and and their job is to run the day-to-day, which really is hire the team, build and develop the team, and build and develop leaders.
0: Yeah. I love how you've centralized a lot of these really key infrastructural elements. It makes a ton of sense for you. You can get a higher quality person or team doing it, and then yep. you can spread it out and leverage that. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, I was going to ask, you know, for someone listening, they, they might oh, go, man, this sounds like a, a lot like a franchise, Eric. Can you just give me the key bullet points? Like, Make, make the distinction between what you guys are doing and a traditional franchise system.
2: Yeah, well, the first thing is uh, every company is its own unique company. So we don't have a single name. Every company has a different name, different brand. Um, the other big one is there's, uh, there's you know, it's, it's shared ownership. Mm-hmm. So whereas a, a franchise, your, your goal is to earn a profit and our goal is to, to maximize revenue to get more you know, of our royalties. Um, so we're aligned in that way. There's no geographical restrictions. So right. one of our partners in Ohio his ambitions are to build the Cleveland market then the Columbus market then the Cincinnati market and there's no fees up front. So it it is a little easier to attract people. Matt, you know, our partner in Ohio, he didn't have to put a, a, any you know money down to start this company with us. Well, that's um,
0: huge because usually when you are a franchisee you would be given a certain set of postal codes and if you want to operate yep.
2: outside of that there's a huge there's
0: a huge fee to go and do that. It's it's you you are somewhat put in a box whereas with this system it's grow wherever you want
2: yeah. yeah 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 so and and then again the the upside i think is uh is super is a big difference that's a big one yeah you know it's just that that growth potential
0: the ceiling's a lot higher yeah and um what what does the next i don't know two years look like for you with this model or are you are you recruiting are you are you training like what yeah. what do you what are you up to the next little
2: bit No. And we, at the end of 2018, we were like, Hey, this is, this is where we're heading. And we spent a lot of time thinking about that and creating that and getting clear about that. And we're like, cool, well, we're going to spend the next year really shoring up our foundation financially, accountabilities, CRM, foundational systems. And, uh, and then we'll launch new companies in the next year. And that was like three years ago. And we're still shoring up the foundation. Um, there's a
1: big departure from the way you went about it before, isn't it?
2: Uh, that was the yeah. I first had to learn to stop chasing the sexy, and then I had to learn like, dude, stop chasing the money, and build something great. And it takes takes a lot of time. And I'm super. I mean, it's it's incredible. We've grown a ton, not trying to grow. Yeah. Totally. You know, our, our team is, has, I mean, we've been giving probably 20 to 25% raises every year because our systems are better. People's performance is better. Their output is better. Our customer experience is better. Our marketing is getting better. We're getting more profitable, but it's like, Hey, let's, we're not ready yet. Like, you know, I've got it. The next step is get these systems right. Yeah. And then, so that's the big one for the next two years is continuing that, um, and then the other is building my team at National Painting Group. It's still literally me and then my two marketing directors. Yeah. And I have three or four really key hires that are going to lead divisions um, at NPG. So that'll be better than the next six months. And then uh, probably within two years, we will start to expand. Um, in 2023, I think is when we'll probably first start bringing on additional partners and there'll be five or five or 10. Because yeah. Yeah. we'll be able to do a lot if we do it right, you know, and I think that's we'll we'll be getting to that in a minute. You know, just yeah. some and, of these lessons learned.
1: And what's really cool, even like pre-expansion, like like before this big push that he's about to undertake, Erica, how much revenue are you guys doing combined between between all the the different businesses?
2: Yeah, this year a bit like eleven between eleven and twelve million this year, seven and a half mm-hmm. last year with four companies.
1: Which is interesting to go from seven and a half to 11, 12 this year. It's, you know, there are a lot of companies in Breakthrough Academy that do that like over, over 10, but it looks very different with how much pressure is on one owner versus what Eric has and how much it's spread. I mean, I've known Eric for a long time and his quality of life and just the way that he goes about stuff is, it is very unique and very cool. And it, it is interesting, man, like how big of a business you do run at the end of the day. And and yes, I get there's, you know, you're part owner and a whole bunch of them, but um, it is such a different and unique and cool approach to getting to that over $10 million mark. And they haven't even yet started the big
0: scaling, which is Mm -hmm. just about to come. Just getting started. Yeah. 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 So uh, unbelievable story. Uh, I I really enjoyed listening to all of it, Eric. You know, when we connected quick to kind of brainstorm this episode, I'd ask you to come up with, you know, Having been through what you've been through, what are your biggest lessons for entrepreneurs, up-and-comers, people that are kind of starting or somewhere along their journey? And I think, I think you'd come up with three. So I want to I wanna go through these with you now. Um, yeah. Biggest lessons for other entrepreneurs. What's lesson number one?
2: Well, I think it's the number one, Benji, is if you're going to partner with someone, make sure that they have a car. Um, <laughs> that was, that's a really good one. Huge takeaway um, from this episode, yes. I think. <laughs> uh, no, the first one, and, and it's this is hard to do because I have learned from every failure, and there are so many. Um, but I think the first one, like if it would be patience and discipline. That's kind of the the bullet there. Um, should we dive into that? Yes, please. Okay. So there was something I saw, I don't even know, it was probably a couple years ago, it was a guy that was in a business group that I was in and he just posted it, but it stuck with me. And he said, uh, the fastest path is a straight line through the long cut. And I was like, I love, I love that. You know, like what's the, what's the long cut? Like what's the, the fastest way to build something is doing it right, not right. taking any shortcut. And it's really hard to resist that temptation um, you really do have to keep questioning, like, is this done right yet? Is this done right yet? And continue to question. And it's so hard. It takes a lot of discipline to do that. Um, because doing the right, doing things right really does take time.
0: time. Well, that, that <laughs> sounds that's familiar. Why, that's why it's hard. <laughs> like the day-to-day experience, the lived experience of it is that it actually, you perceive it as very, very slow. You're like a glacier moving yep. and it's like, come on. Like I see this. You know this stock going to the moon i see this entrepreneur doing something yep. super cool and i'm just like you know dinking out over like the the reporting in my crm like couldn't this go any faster and i think that that's the i think that is the day-to-day experience but if you look at it from a much broader perspective you look at it retroactively it actually happens pretty quickly it just it just feels slow when you're it in does. it so that I, I i love that lesson anything yeah. to add to that Igor?
1: yeah definitely i think um You know, people really, really underestimate how long your timeline and time horizon really is, right? Um, To Eric's point, like it takes a, it, it yes, it absolutely takes a whole bunch of time to build. Great foundational teams, systems, processes, structures in a business, Um, and and there's just so many of them, right? From like legal foundations, accounting and financial foundations, taking your time to vet and pick really like the right team members. So this hiring decision that we made two days ago, we've been interviewing for like four and a half months in a key role, right? Like there's just things really take. Time, not to mention the building, as you said, of like standard operating procedures and onboarding programs and training programs of staff, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you can build a ton of really good stuff. And Eric, what do we call it? Let's say four to five years of really focused work. Is that reasonable? You build oh a lot my of cool good stuff.
2: Uh, you, you'd be amazed at what you can do in four to five totally. years. Totally. And the
1: question I would really pose to everyone to think about is, is four to five years of system and structure building a long time in the grand scheme of your career? That seems like really good value, right? Yeah. And, and one of the things I find cool is to map out at, um, you know, in this case, we're all very young, but to map out on a timeline, almost like to scale, draw it out on one of these really long pieces of paper, where you started, where you're at now and what your time horizon looks like even to a relatively early retirement. And you've got a long way to go, right? So I I think people don't realize that there really isn't anywhere that you have to rush to. While yes, uh, Bitcoin and Dogecoin and this stock and that stock is going up in that tech company. Um, if you can, if you can pull out that noise, um, you actually have quite a long runway. And 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 if you build really good foundational structure for a couple of years and then scale for the next 10, let's yeah. just say in 15 years, you can build something absolutely epic. And 15 years to work on something, look at just zoom out generations past, your grandfather, your great-grandfather. If you said, I'm working really hard for 15 years and then I'm golden, people would be like, that's crazy. But it's totally doable.
2: Yeah. You,
0: yeah. to, to, to frame this a different way, when you say, okay, four to five years to build foundational stuff, it doesn't really seem that long in the, in the grander scheme, and no, it doesn't, but I've seen the opposite, where you cannot follow this rule, you can be in a rush, you can get distracted by shiny objects, and four or five years goes by, you're exhausted, yeah. and you have nothing. Well, we see that with contractors, and you day have nothing. Day out you've got, you've got, you're exactly. baseless. You're like you're, you're kind of rebuilding from square one, and it's because this lesson that Eric has has shared wasn't, it it hasn't sunk in on you yet. But I think usually at that point, people, you know, totally, uh, they they, they get it and and they make make a, a change in their habits, a change in their mindset, and and they do this, they follow this, yeah, exactly. And I, if you're I to totally say agree
2: four, with you, Ben. Oh, sorry, go
0: ahead.
1: Sorry, I was just gonna say to build four or five years to build strong infrastructure, foundations, the baseline, and then to spend 10 years to scale. So you us say you're 15 years in to create a great, great business. Uh, you could do that like three times in your career if right. you wanted
2: to, right? Well, and, and you know, the, I think the like, when you say that Igor, people hear like, there's something like people might feel like I'm sacrificing if I just yeah. take my time for it. It's like, no, 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 no. That's the thing. That's the illusion. It is a faster growth path. Totally. You're not going to sacrifice growth, building better systems. Your business will, we've been growing without trying to grow. We literally like, hey, we're not going to grow this year. We're just going to work on our system. And, our, and it just grows because we're making things better. So I think it's important that people realize that like, no, you don't sacrifice anything. You're sacrificing growth when you're focused on like growth rather than just doing it right. too. like, you know, to your point, Benji, you don't end up having to go back and do things a second time. Doing things twice takes longer than doing them once right.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this. you know that this is a universal truth when it applies to the macro scale. We're talking about big business scaling. It also applies to the micro. Like I'm sure on your painting sites, you train your new painters. Hey, I would rather you scrape and sand this properly, use the proper primer, do it right once. Because if you don't, we're going to do an inspection at the end and you're going to be painting the same yeah. wall or the same window twice, sometimes three times. So there's something very uh, universal about this lesson yeah. that I love. Yeah, I, 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 I instill in this this concept in our team
1: all the time is to, is to be thorough uh, and and do things really really well, uh, a to z before we move on and and that that applies to, to so many things in business. And Eric, that 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 I think is the key concept to yeah. like going slower in order to go fast. Now, I just want to clarify, if some people are a bit, if they're not clear on what exactly that entails, like what kind of stuff are you talking about? Give me a bit of the lay of the land over the last year and the upcoming few years. What are some of these, uh, what is some of this groundwork that you're working on? Gosh,
2: it's uh, one example is just our our CRM and our QuickBooks aligning cross-checking and Reconciling so that we know where every penny is and every penny's been collected, and our numbers are are clear everywhere.
1: Totally, that is yeah, taking like are you two years scale to fifty million. If you don't even know where the
2: dollars are at, that is exactly right. Yeah, if we're losing, if we're leaking five thousand dollars now, like that adds up to a lot of money as we grow. Totally. But that that would be one example. Um, another, I think the guide for us. I think it's it's important that we have a guide. You gotta have some standard for knowing when it's done and so one thing is you know we want to attract really amazing people into our business well to do that we need to be able to compensate people really well to attract really great people but to compensate them really well they have to perform really well in their role so there's certain performance measures we want to see in our company before we scale and if those performance measures aren't happening we know we've got more work to do Mm. you know we need our customer experience to be really exceptional and it's really hard to do that, you know, yeah. at scale. So it's hard to answer because we don't know until we see the performance metrics and everything where we want them to be. And that's gonna be a little different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Cause if I'm gonna go and try and build a hundred million companies, I have higher standards for what's necessary for that foundation than if you're gonna build, you know, one $10 million company. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I know. And I know just a couple other really important ones here. I know you're doing a lot of work on your like operational, uh, like training processes, learning like the LMS in the organization, right? That's Mm -hmm. a piece.
2: Yeah. Big time.
1: Um, You got a bunch of legal stuff going on.
2: Yeah. That took me a year and a half to get those. I mean, that is an incredible legal agreement and it took forever. And it, and things that I, that is not my thing. <laughs> you know, it took a lot of like thinking and dwelling on it and understanding every page of a, you know, 70 pages of agreement. and.
1: Totally. I've seen that time and time again, people not put enough focus on that. So like I would have spent years building out our legal infrastructure, hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees, but are you going to build a great, great business on a weak legal infrastructure. Right. can topple. No. Absolutely not. Cause that's, that's right. how you really get screwed. Totally. Right. There, there's, there's, there's those, um, recruitment and selection and, and people I think is yeah. also a huge one. You know, you talked about like how, how quick it was to partner. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, that's having the recruiting infrastructure in place and, and the ability to select really great people, I think is a huge yep. part of scaling. Um, I think the, the way that I look at it, uh, and Benji, I think we see the opposite of yep. this all the time, where people just want to scale. I would argue, unless you have a bunch of this, all of this stuff in place, including the ability to build really good teams, you've not earned the right to scale effectively. No,
2: you yeah. haven't. Yeah. Um, and it's going to burn you. It's going to. It's going to. It's going to bite you, too. Yeah.
0: Well, yep. and and th- yep. those are the, sh- those are the major setbacks that people who haven't learned this lesson and have been humbled by it yet experience. And that's why you can, you know, be six years in and still feel somewhat empty handed. That's, that's lesson one, um, patience and discipline. What, what is lesson number two from your experience over the years, Eric?
2: Yeah, we've, we kind of touched on it and it's, it's tied to number one, but it's, it's just focus and avoid distractions. Mm-hmm. That's different. is inc- that, increasingly that, that is, difficult. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's tied, but that's a different point, I think, which is that that's much more of like a mental game.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I I think, I think, um, I've said this on other episodes, but it's worth repeating. Like we live in the most distracted time in human history. There are so many, um, things that are sort of grabbing for your attention, there's algorithms that know what you want to see. There's, there's, you know, mobile devices, there's, there's global events, there's a negative news stream. Um, there's very, very, very clever, clever marketers. And I think especially, so that's, that's just, you know, the the fact of the matter when it comes to the world we live in, you add yeah. the other, the, the other side to that coin is the entrepreneurial spirit is by nature, very energetic and, and somewhat easily distracted. So I think this concept of, um, you know, putting blinders on is one that's, that, that is worth repeating. What it, like what kind of stuff, are there practical steps that you've learned over the last few years, Eric, that help you put those blinders on and really say, you know, bat away the stuff that seems sexy, that seems exciting. Yeah.
2: Bat away those shiny objects and really hone in on what matters. I think it's just been having to learn it the hard way. Mm-hmm. You know, cause I had people tell me that, like old wise businessmen say, stay focused. Don't go in too many directions. You chase two rabbits, you're only gonna catch one. And I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. And then I didn't, it was, I, I just saw the, imp- I had to see the impact of it myself of like, I'm trying to go in too many directions. I can't, especially when I get started to get focused on trying to do something right, build something right. And I see how much time it takes. I'm like, I can't build three things right. Mm -hmm. It's hard to build one thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and also just, so that's one aspect is like just learning like my quality of life is so much better when I'm doing less. Yeah. And you know, I'm going to put my energy into something and when my energy is focused, I know it's going to make me more money and you know, I can build something I really love and I'm proud of and I'm inspired by and excited to build. So I think I've learned that lesson from trying to go in too many directions and not either like failing, not enjoying it, or just seeing like, dude, I'm, I'm, it's costing me my success. Chasing success over here is costing me success over here. Yeah. Like yeah. I got, so I had to, I really, for me just had to learn it the hard way. I learn every, I, I'm really good at learning things the hard way, super, <laughs> super good at it. Yeah, you're and, right. Uh, and yeah. the other aspect is just actually discovering for myself that, the best way to success is focus. Yeah. Like I will make more, and it's really hard because, you know, oh, you know, my buddy just put five grand in an NFT and and it's a hundred thousand two months later and crypto and stocks and the crazy stock market with COVID happening and on and on. And then all the news feed on your Facebook, that's like, This is how much money I made in real estate, or invest here, or do this course, or start this other business. It's freaking endless. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, I think it's a little bit of of BS. And also, like, if I think about it, my time put into just building an incredible business, I will make way more money doing that than even huge returns. Yeah. Which are, you know, for every huge return, there's people who lost money too. I was one of them. I, I mean, I made a ton of money on Bitcoin and then held it until I lost money. (laughs) so that was like back in 2016 so i learned that too i'm like that's not my 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 jam i'm gonna stick to what i'm really good at and go deep on it so so much of it just comes down to learning how to say no
0: which is very very difficult for most people but it is literally just that lesson and and a a a, a powerful no on one thing is simultaneously an even more powerful yes to something else that's more important and it's interesting in breakthrough academy with like you know the four hundred and 30 some odd members we're working with right now. Like most of them, when they build their strategic plans, they're working with their coach. Most of them come in with a laundry list of, this is what we're going to do this year. 99 times out of a hundred, our coaches just go... Let's just cut that at least in half, maybe a little yeah. bit less. These this is all we're gonna do this year, and and they're right. And so those four things get done well, instead of the twelve things get done yeah. crappily. And and that's sort of, I mean, that's a big part of our mantra and philosophy in it. To it answer works. your question, Benji, um, just around like some
1: some practical uh, some of these like mm, practices yeah. that, that can be put into place. So th- there's two things that that are really front of mind for me on this subject all the time. One is um, I. and and I urge people to think this way is is to have a really big belief in your own abilities. Um, The investment example is a really good one um, because it's so practical, right? Like you can invest in so many different asset classes. You can invest in um, like big big stocks. You can invest in alternatives. You can invest in real estate. You can also invest in your own business and yourself. And I will, from like a self-confidence perspective, I'll always take the bet on investing in me in what I'm working on versus on what others are working on. Yeah. Um, And so I I think about that a lot. Like every dollar, every unit of time that I can invest back into my own primary focus, I do. Right. And, and yes, while 100%. whatever, Apple's a super high performing stock, um, or you've got, you know, Jeff Bezos working for you, investing in Amazon or whatever, I'll still take the bet on me. Um, yeah. so th- that, that's kind of one thing. And then and then the other piece is also, I think it's really healthy to have a good critical look, to be able to be critical at your own business and to ask yourself on the note of the, these distractions and saying, no, like have I earned the right to go into other directions? And man, I get so many opportunities to, should we dive into this? Should we dive into that? And you're always looking at stuff, but you have to ask yourself first, like is what I'm currently working on exceptional? Cause if it's not, you got to keep working on that. You've not yep. earned yeah. the right to go build some sort of offshoot. Right. So you have to have self-confidence in yourself and you also have the ability to critically look at what you're doing and evaluate it critically and ask is it exceptional? Yeah. And then I think that's kind of what Eric's getting at is he's looking at his own business and before they're scaling, he's like, is it exceptional? No, keep working.
2: Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and that's the separator now between the, the focus, the distractions, the urgency everyone has, yes. they gotta get onto the next thing. Like the, the thing that separates people now, what's different is people who have discipline, patience and focus. It's rare, it's a rare commodity right now and that is the separator now. That's a
0: mic drop line right there hundred percent I love it okay, so uh we've got two done what, what what's the third and final lesson Eric uh
2: it was uh doing things for the right reason you know I think uh this yeah I was doing things for the wrong reason do things for the right reason Should I um, elaborate
0: I, I would like that yeah like what how why were you doing things for the wrong reasons early and how has that
2: changed uh so I think it's really, you know, when you start a business and you're getting started, like you've, you've got to make sure that business is successful, you know, that it, that it exists. So it's important to stay focused on, you can pay your bills and it's, you know, and that's why people start a business is like, I, something I want to build for me in my life. And, you know, it's got to start there, but there's a point where, you know, in business it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm good now. Now what I'm am I building. And I kind of just kept going like more, 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 me, 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 and Um, that's when, you know, that, that focus on just making money, growth, scale, um, obviously, you know, didn't work out and it wasn't fulfilling. And now, you know, the focus is really just on like build something great. And what's great is something that provides tremendous value to people and doesn't take from people, anybody, you know, like every everyone i want to build a business that everyone that business touches it makes a huge value a huge value added, a huge impact on you know from our painters and subcontractors to our employees to our customers to the partners we have in the communities we operate in and when you you know what's really powerful is when you build that kind of business you'll experience way more success but it's not about the success it's about building but you know, if you're worried about success, you don't have to worry about that. If you build something truly great.
0: Yeah. I can't remember where I heard this. It's a great line. Uh, like success is the side effect of good behavior. Like it's just like you, you but the focus is the good behavior in the first place. Yeah. And I think, um, I think on the doing things for the right reasons piece, one thing that I see a lot with, with, you know, people in the industry, contractors that I work with directly, and and meet with and assess businesses for them. Like, there's a lot of doing it for the wrong reasons. I think people's egos can drive a lot of decision making, especially at the early stages in the journey. So, yeah. you'll you'll hear people go like, "Well, I I I, I just need three sales guys. Like, I got to get out of sales and focus on other stuff." And it's like, to your point earlier, it's like you want three sales guys. You want three sales guys because your buddy has three sales guys or you met some dude at a conference who is really impressive, who has three sales guys. But do you want three sales guys because you want to make a great opportunity for them? Do you want to do it because you want to build like a super robust process that's easy to follow? Do you want it to create opportunity in your community and deliver exceptional stuff to your customers? No, you you actually don't. It's, it's for an ego-driven purpose. Or, you know, the other classic ones is like, we need a super, super robust, like CRM right now. And it's like, no, you don't, you, you need like a couple solid hires and write some basic checklists. You don't need to go do that right now. You, your ego is, is telling you that, that you need it because um, it makes you feel good. So I think yeah. that's a, that's a really resounding message that I, I want people to take home is, is really think like, why am I doing this? Is it for, Is it ultimately for me and my own self-image or is it for the betterment of this organism that is my business, the community that it serves and the people that are interconnected between those two things? And I think that's a great one.
2: Yeah, Uh, it's not like I got to sacrifice my success to do that, they're aligned. They're aligned, yeah.
0: If we really boil down to it,
1: okay, business 101 in one sentence, here it is, right? Add value to the world and the people you're influencing. That's it. That's, that's the yeah. long and short of business, right? Like the point of a business is you're here to add value to the world. So if you run a painting company, you need to add value to homeowners and the people that you work with. That's it. Right. And if you go do that, it'll come back to you in spades. But I think especially yeah. in this recent time, like th- there's a little fog between like, what do we actually do? Like if, if, if you run a yeah. painting company, you need to make homeowners lives easier and protect houses. That's what you got to do.
0: Yeah. Like for, for, yep. for our listeners, I just want that to be so clear. Like, uh, you know, all, all of you contractors out there, like if you are listening to this podcast, you are probably already in a very, very, very good position. Just keep going. Yeah. Just keep doing this. It, it will pay off in the end. So that's probably as good a place as any to, to start to wrap. Um, I'm just going to recap the lessons here. Patience and discipline. You know, have focus, avoid distractions, and then always, always do things for the right reason. Um, eric, before we close, where can people find out a little bit more about you if they want to reach out, get in touch? How would they do that?
2: Uh, you could just email me at Eric with the C at nationalpaintinggroup.com. Cool.
1: Amazing. Um, guys, Eric is not just an absolutely fantastic entrepreneur, but is just such a tremendous human. Uh, is, is a very good friend. I always have a huge smile on my face, Eric, when I'm flying or driving, driving to see you. So if anyone has the pleasure of getting to know him, um, I promise you it'll be a blast. Just as we close, one thing I was just reflecting on the note of like the right reasons and, and kind of having deep rooted values. So uh breakthrough Academy that produces this contractor Revolution show, we're deeply guided by three values. Be real, embrace the journey and genuinely, genuinely care about people and it's just interesting to reflect on this on this interview and this episode um, i think all of those three come out in spades so yeah it's been it's been a cool hour eric thank you so much man for the wisdom yeah. and the insight and in taking the time
2: yeah love you guys thanks for having me on see you next time
0: hey if you enjoyed this show hit that subscribe button it's what allows us to produce more awesome content for you totally for free